Fanboys and Friends presents... It's an instinct. Somewhere on the internet, this may all be happening right now. Feeling. The force brought us together. We're not alone. Good people will fight if we lead them. People keep telling me they know me. No one does. Taking one last look, sir. Every podcaster tells his story. And my friends. Confronting fear is the destiny of a Jedi. Your destiny. Fandom Awakens Radio. Always. Fans together strong. Alright gang, and welcome to the um, latest episode of the regular flagship show for fandom awakens radio fans together strong i am your host david Sennon, your master of ceremonies the guy responsible for all this and with me your friend of mine all the way out in dagobah that's you know florida for your star wars to real world translation but you probably figured that out by now kyle wagner kyle how's it going bud lies deceptions we're going <laughs> That's that's actually actually pretty good. I'll I'll do you one better. Lies, deceptions, pull gullet. That, oh, and we're off to a raging start. <laughs> oh yes, yes, we're off to a raging start right now. Somewhere on the internet, Chris mocked is like, wait, what? <laughs> I'm sure. Hey. Anyway, we're, we're gang, a rebellion. Let's rebel. Yeah, that's true too. Anyway, gang, uh, tonight on the episode, uh, we are going to be going through everything with uh, Star Wars Andor, the series coming to Disney Plus on September twenty-first. Yeah, yeah, it was supposed to be end of August, but you know what? They moved it, and. You know, they moved it so quietly, everybody, you could literally feel the disturbance on the internet as everybody was like, 
What? <laughs> so I, I'm going to be honest with you. I think when it's all said and done, I agree with the decision to move it. Now, uh, uh, okay, well, why is that, though? Because I think it's going to get much more hype out of D23. Mm-hmm. I think to have it running at the same time She-Hulk was starting, it would have just been distracting. Well, you would have had the Kenobi-Miss Marvel overlap problem. Yeah, and I think they learned their lesson. By the way, can I just say, you know, the fact that, you know, uh, Disney Plus is so gun-shy on having two original series running at the same time, it's like, why? You know, I'm just going to say... But for why? It's not like television hasn't been doing this kind of thing for 50 years. Yeah, no, I agree with you, but I think welcome to the welcome to the new world a little bit here. Mm, yes, a phrase we've been using way too much as a society, I might add. Yeah. But, but that's, a whole, I think... that's a whole other issue. Yeah. It's it, it's just we're in a weird place, and it, and it's something I think we 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 are still adjusting to. So yeah, that's true. Yeah, that's true. Well, you know what, gang? Enough of the sort of, you know, the the dreary and the why and the who's and the what's and the wits and the widgem jigs of whatever. Uh, we are talking Star Wars Andor. So right now we are going to play the trailer. And then Kyle and I will be back for our uh, collective thoughts and takes and all the stuff you can expect from two guys having fun. Again, not arguing, Internet. Come on. But having fun, loving Star Wars. I know. What a shock, right? from the Empire? You just walk in like you belong. They're so proud of themselves. So fat and satisfied. They can't imagine that someone like me would ever get inside their house. Cassian Adler. The Empire is choking us so slowly. We're starting not to notice. What I'm asking is this. Wouldn't you rather give it all to something real? I need all the heroes I can get. For the greater good. Call it what you will. Let's call it war. It's fermenting out there, son. Fermenting. You're in my net. Are you a fish? Or are you a thief? You're slipping. <laughs> I'm not slipping. I've just been hiding for too long. As long as everyone thinks I'm an irritation. 
There's a good chance they'll miss what I'm really doing. What are you really doing? This is what revolution looks like. I'm tired of losing. So let me be the first to point this out, Kyle. Um, and I say this giving, uh, you know, Diego Luna's age from when he shot Rogue One to now when they shot this, okay? Mm-hmm. I hope, and I and I think you saw, I, I reposted this when, when Dan Madsen had a side-by-side of a, of a current Harrison Ford with the de Harrison Ford. Mm-hmm. I hope, beyond all hope, that, okay, you know what? If you're going to make uh, Diego Luna look younger for flashbacks, do that. Because Kenobi, as fun as it was to see Hayden, you know, you you didn't exactly de-age him and take the 17 years off. He looked like a Padawan who was age 40. Yeah, I I, I agree. And I I bring up the Harrison Ford uh, shot comparison that Dan Madsen uh, posted up as a sort of, look, look, guys, you couldn't do 17 years on Hayden uh, taking off from that. And yet with Harrison, you have a lot longer of a time frame you're taking off because he's, your subject's what, pushing 80? Yeah, but I kind of wonder if it's not, the older the person is, the easier it is to use that tech on them. Yeah, it. I, I would imagine there's some element of that. Yeah. So, but you know, the the thing about this trailer is, and what what I love about this trailer is, we're going to a place. You know, I, I've I've talked on this show and a lot of other podcasts about how I want Star Wars to get out of the Skywalker saga. It's time. We need to close the. The book on that however the the thing with andor is it does feel like you're kind of getting out of that in a way because you're going to a point in time that really hasn't been explored that much and you're seeing the underbelly of the rebellion right you know so you're, you're, it's almost like well first of all if i just may add to that and mm-hmm. i do i do tentatively agree right yep but you know i will say Yes, we've got to get out of that Skywalker box or at least go explore other areas. It's a lot like Marvel where, you know, it's like, okay, you can refer to him, you know, like what She-Hulk just did in episode one, right? You can refer to Tony Stark, but I'm like, can the Marvel Cinematic Universe just get away from that guy for a while? Well, and I, I, I think that that's the case here. As well as the aspect of with, with what I what I'm looking so forward to with Andor, mm-hmm. and it's it's one of the things I actually absolutely love about Rogue One as well, and we'll get to that in a little bit. But you're just you're just living in this universe now. Yeah. You're not you're not dealing with necessarily with a lot of Force stuff, a lot of Jedi stuff, a lot of things like that. You're dealing with here's the Empire, here's the Rebellion, here's and the, it's it, not. Here's the average citizens. 
Right. And what I what the other thing that I'm liking about what I'm seeing from everything I've seen from Andor is to we're going to see a different side of the Empire. We're going to see the Empire when it's maybe it's at its most overconfident. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it, it's it's really fat and happy and you know and, and proud of itself. Yeah, it's still very powerful, but yeah, it's at that point now where it's like Okay, now the cracks are starting to show. Right. And it's starting to eat itself from the inside a little bit as well. But mm. I just really think we're going to see a side of Star Wars. And I felt this, and that's just how I feel the same way about Rogue One. It's a side of Star Wars that doesn't get explored near enough. No, it doesn't. And it's, and, it's, and... it's the dirty, it's the, it's the dirty war aspect of star wars you know exactly you bring up a, a point i want to add add elaboration to um what i like about this series and and overall you know the kind of different pockets of areas we're exploring with with these shows but what i like about this series in particular is you know it's exploring um a corner that george really I think was rather gun shy on doing. I, I think it's a corner that George never had any intent to exploring. Right. Anyway, yeah, George yeah. wanted the fantastical. He wanted the 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 mind blowing childlike imagery and right. He wanted that, he that. wanted that sort of you know hopeful stories. I mean, he he really you could really feel that just by watching episode four, you know, because it has a very hopeful ending. But I'll just say this, and yeah, everyone who loves episode four is probably going to hate this, but it's true. If you look at the ending, right? Mm -hmm. Like, really look at the ending. Take out uh, all the, you know, um, color and everything. Take out the John Williams music and just look at the ending. That last shot, that last sequence, right? When they're mm -hmm. the ceremony... Yeah. Might as well be the one thing lifted, the one thing lifted from the one movie that probably any every human being on the planet wants to forget about, and that's Lenny Riefenstein's Triumph of the Will. The movie made to basically glorify Hitler and the Third Reich. Yeah, I, I think I think that's a Bit of a stretch, but I get I I get the idea of where you're coming. From, well, I'm coming from. It's from it. not exactly a huge stretch. It's only a huge stretch if you if you aren't taking out the uh, all the color or the John Williams music, right? Well, because we've become so used to and indoctrinated by that over the last forty five years. But the fact is that last shot the, the ceremony right as much mm -hmm. as we love it now it's still you know directly lifted more or less basically from you know triumph of the will yeah. well I, I think the other thing too of it is you just look at how george handled war in star wars not only here but in the prequels yeah and it just never it 
it never had that dirty side of war. I, war always has a the dirty side. I agree. You he, saw that he treated it like a he treated it like it was a very clean commodity. And yeah. spoiler alert, kids, especially if you look around right now, just turn on the news, you'll see it isn't. But when you look at Rogue One, when you see Andor and our first introduction to Cassian, where he's killing that guy to protect himself. Oh, yeah. oh the, the fake Pablo. I mean, it just, but I'm just saying. You uh, see I only there say that... that, dude, because no, literally everyone who saw Rogue One was like, hey, is that Pablo? <laughs> well, but, but, but what I'm saying though is that it set the tone right out of the gate for Rogue One that this is going to be something different. Yeah, no, I agree. It really did. Yeah. And, and I think it's going to carry on very much with Andor. Because, I mean, even even when you look at the rest, the other Star Wars series that we've had since Disney Plus originated, whether it's Book of Boba Fett or Obi-Wan or Mandalorian, they, even though Mandalorian, and I think especially has a little bit of that darker side with it too, with the after effects of the of the war with the Empire, yeah. it still has that fantasticalness. It has that cuteness of Grogu and those kind of things. Right, so right, it's still yeah. where I think with Andor, it's really, this is, and I'm gonna I'm gonna say it now. If you saw Rogue One and IMAX, and you were there early enough to see the interview with Diego Luna and Terry Gillum, the word they kept emphasizing was real. It's oh, real. Uh, it's oh, real. Tony Gilroy. Yeah, Tony Gilroy. I'm sorry, Tony Gilroy. Yeah. Um. And when they mean by real is it's not only that the aspect of they didn't really use the volume and things like that. The storyline even though it's Star Wars, is going to have a sense of reality to it. Right. You know, and carry but, weight. And I think that's going to be one of something that's going to be very important for Andor. And I think it's I think it's something that Star Wars desperately needs right now. Yeah. Well and and also it's one of those where it's like given where they are in the timeline, what did you expect? Well yeah, but the problem is is again, you have to have the courage to write it that way. Oh, I know, I know, and and Tony Gilroy strikes me as one of those who just really doesn't care. No, he's gonna do what he's gonna do, right. and that's yeah, and yeah. that's what I think makes him perfect for Andor. And oh I, yeah, just... I, oh yeah, perfect for Andor. I just don't want to see him anywhere near any other spot in the timeline. Well, I, there's a couple other spots I could think of, but I mean, and we'll go over that later. I'm sure. Yeah, but I I think it's it's one of the reasons why I'm just very excited for this project. The fact that it's a lot we're getting back to you know being because of a lot of reasons we're being back to on location filming, which I think is a is a very necessary thing. Oh, it, it's Don't get a me wrong, huge I think huge necessary thing. Yeah. You know, you were talking about the interview and Tony Gilroy was emphasizing real, real, real. Yeah. Uh, you know, actually they both were, but Diego was probably more diplomatic with the word. Uh, yeah. Tony wasn't. Um, and I wanted to ask, was that, what, call me crazy, but was that a direct pot shot at Dave and John over the overuse of the volume? I'm not going to say it was a pot shot because I think a lot of people, I think when we look at the volume and the, and the usage the volume has had, it's, the volume became a very useful tool, especially in the, status of the world the last couple of years but it's time but it's time to not live in the volume 
we don't have to live in the volume anymore. Right. Yes, it's a great tool for certain types of shots and things like that. And I don't, I think, I think we still need to use it because I think it's a very helpful piece of technology. Right. But yeah. we are now in a place where we can actually get practical again. And I think having that practicality, and especially in a series like Andor, with how it's going to be, it's even that much more important. I mean, they, they, I mean, they talk about how they built these sets and mm. everything, a lot, so much more practical, practical type effects. And I think. I think that as great as all the digital stuff is, ILM still shines the most when they use practical effects. Oh, yeah, because if you watch the Light and Magic documentary on Disney+, Plus, it really highlights that. And, dude, yeah. I I made probably the emotional manipulative mistake of watching Light and Magic and then going to watch the re-release of E.T., Dude, I was crying yeah. even more. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. And that but, ending already makes you cry anyway. Yeah. But the, the, one of the things, too, with, with that I'm just with Andor is, too, is our lead character, and this goes back to even watching Rogue One, mm -hmm. he's, he's a hero, but he's not the kind of Star Wars hero we're used to. He's not even the cool rogue like a Han Solo who... Has no who's going to cross the line on occasion, right? But he, this is this is a hero who's he's going to do whatever he has to do to succeed on his mission, right? And I think so. He's a hero, but is he the is he a good guy? And I think that's one of the things we're going to learn with this series is that his intentions are good, but his solutions aren't always going to be approved of methods. There's, uh, you're saying there's a lot of gray in the middle of that? Oh, there, there, there's enough gray that Just for Men can't even help that. <laughs> well, that, that's a lot of gray then. But I I, th I, th I think that's where we're headed with Andor. And I mean, you know, we've got a great cast. We've got Cat. We've got Diego Luna returning. We've got Stellan Skarsgård. We've, we're going to have a very good cast. We know we're getting two seasons as well. And Gil or um, Gil Tony Gilroy's even said. He's covering a five-year span with this series. Yeah, let's talk, five years before the events of Rogue One. Yeah, let's talk about his structure because I think this is why we're getting, uh, well, that and then also the delay was so uh, kind of herky-jerky and we would have been watching it by now anyway. But, um, you know, I think that's why we're getting three episodes. But let's talk about the structure. You know, it seems like they took three episodes and wrote it in blocks. And each block uh, of three episodes is essentially a year. Something along those lines. I don't know how many episodes we're going to get in season two, but I know we're getting 12 for season one. Right. And I, I do think maybe the first three blocks aren't necessarily a year. I do think the first three blocks might be leading up to the modern cast, the, the, the Current time Cassian and right the, the Rogue One Cassian uh, right I, I think I think, I, the, read, I think from what I read we're getting twelve with each yeah but my feeling is is these first three episodes that we're going to get is going to be a telling the story of how Cassian Andor came into his beliefs against the Empire and things like that through a series of flashbacks and everything like that with probably episode three ending with kind of like okay now we're not going to have the flashbacks as much we've established Cassian and what what's got him to this point and now it's going to be about him and being part of the rebellion. Oh so you 
You think a large part of those first three are going to be Kid Cassian? Kid and Teenage Cassian and just how Cassian's my the things that happened that shaped Cassian's belief system. Hmm. You know, I uh, going talking about the trailer for a bit. Um, I gotta really give kudos to any Star Wars production, you know, movies or this. Well, especially this because we haven't quite seen it from many of the other ones yet. But uh, what is it about? Star Wars that makes these flying Doritos uh, frightening. Because they know how to use the camera and they know how to, they've done such a good job of, in one hand we see a Death Star in space and it doesn't seem as frightening, but the minute you get a feeling of the size and mass of it on a planet, it's terrifying. Yeah, well... But see, I guess I could have used that in, say, Mandalorian when, you know, uh, Gideon's Lake Cruiser. Yeah, I, yeah. To be honest with you, I did not get the same feeling of intimidation. Well, I mean, I, I think I think it's even, you even see it, in, obviously, in A New Hope when you see the blockade runner and it comes by and it seems like a big ship and then there, here's just comes the Vader's star destroyer and it just never ends. Well, but that's like, what I mean. It was missing the... It, However, that Gideon's light cruiser was shot, did mm-hmm. not have the same uh, impact. And and like I said, I think to me too. As you see it, in, you see it in the Andor trailer, and again, when I think they even did it in Rogue One, and I think it was even more powerful in Rogue One because you see the Star Destroyer hanging over the planet, and then you see the Death Star, and it's like, oh, good. God, you really get a whole new appreciation for right, the Death yeah, Star. No, I, I get you on that one, yeah. Uh, so, I, I again, it's, it's it's a matter of using the perspective, and at this point, especially with Andor, Star Destroyer is a very scary thing, because they mm. you basically know that the firepower within a Star Destroyer and the what's held within could wipe out a planet. Yep. Can I point out the one thing in the trailer that I think is going to drive some people on Twitter apeshit? What's that? Uh, that the the guns don't exactly look like space guns. Oh yeah, that's been some of the gu- guns. Yeah, I I I've seen. I've already heard about heard that on Twitter and. Right. You know what? Oh, so it I, it I, started, huh? Yeah, it's it's oh it's been started. But, yeah. You know. I get it a little bit because to me they should at least have altered them a little bit more so they weren't so obvious. Just a smidge, yeah. So a certain a, a certain half of the population doesn't go all like, you know. Ah! But again, we'll see how it plays out. If if you're sweating that small thing, then maybe you shouldn't be watching the show on. Period. Yeah, if you're sweating that small thing, um, then. Oh, I don't know. Maybe you were sweating the, um, you know, uh, the zippers on jackets in Rogue One. I'm like, the yeah. the movie was fucking fantastic, and you're worried about zippers? Yeah. Well, we'll we'll get to Rogue One here in a few minutes, but right, right, I, right. I, actually ha- I just need to point that out. I actually want to talk about the other thing that's been kind of a a hot button topic for the fandom, and that's because our our director for Andor has also said, don't expect a ton of Star Wars Easter eggs in this. Mm. That's not what I'm going for. That's not the point of this series. Right. And uh, you know, you got what do you mean there's not going to be Easter eggs in this? And I'm like, I'm fine with that. 
I don't need there to be a crap load of Easter eggs, and I don't need this to force itself to tie itself into the Mandalorian or Obi-Wan right. or something I, like this. I, this I don't a, either. I don't either. The only thing I'm concerned about with is that we have a, a good enough story that ties us into how Cassian gets to the situation in Rogue One and go, and go from there. That's the only tie-in and Easter egg kind of stuff I really need for this series. Absolutely. Can I... Can I mention the one thing that I I I Star Wars fans are gonna find controversy wherever, even in this statement, but what really excites me about Andor and particularly Rogue One, even though you'll we'll bring more of that up in a bit, but what excites me is you know, if you go back to uh two thousand eight and uh Clone Wars, right? That movie yep. did next to nothing to get me into the series. No, Now, yeah, obviously, I, I went along with the series because that's what good fans do, okay? I don't care if that chip in your head is talking. That's what good fans do, all right? But what excites me here is I loved Rogue One, absolutely adored Rogue One. Could not be more hyped for Andor. Especially after watching the the little sneak. Yeah, no, I, I, I agree with you. And, you know, that, that, that sneak sneak trailer we got before Rogue One was just enough. I don't need any more. Don't show me any yeah, more. Yeah, I don't need I don't need Disney. I don't need any more surprise weeks. I mean, I mean, Disney, if you want to use that footage at D23... For the people who didn't go see it on oh, IMAX, that's oh, they, fine. They probably will. I mean, it's not like Disney marketed this surprise week of Rogue One that well. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. I was like, uh, guys, she used to be so on the ball with this. But you know what? I, I hounded that issue when we were talking about Solo. That's true. And, you did. Yeah, you and I both had issues with that. Yeah. But... Here, I just, I, again, I come back to, and I think this is this is a big point for me, Andor's going to be something different than anything we've ever seen for Star Wars. Yeah, no, I agree. I absolutely and agree. I, and I, th I, I think it's a wonderful thing, which leads me into, of course, what has been going on here right now, which, again, David, we both talked about off, off mic, is that we feel it's kind of a shame that it's been so undermarketed that Rogue One has been re-released on IMAX only in theaters. Yeah, it's got as of this recording, and if you're listening to it on delayed podcast, it ended, but it it has like a a few days left on it by now. Yeah, I think it ends. We're recording this on Monday, August 29th, and I think the last showings are Wednesday. I believe so. Yeah, and and yeah, so you're definitely listening to this now and it's, you know, delayed uh, podcast, so yeah, it, it came and went. But my God, Mouse, you did not uh, market that the way I know you to, to be. I mean, this is why George left it with you, okay? You know, Lucasfilm does its thing, you should respect that and let them do it. But this is why George left it with you. You know, you do marketing better than anybody on the planet. So yeah. my question is, between the mismarketing of Solo and the lack of marketing or none 
for this? For why? What's the deal, Mouse? Well, I, I do have I do have one thing I wonder. Uh, because of is... when this when when this comes out, which is now, yeah, which would have put it ending right be, literally days before Andor was supposed to come out debut. Yeah, yeah. And then Andor gets pushed back, but they can't really change the theater dates for this because it was probably already locked in. Yeah, it was probably the IMAX were probably already booked, and uh, we got. Once this ends, we got like a IMAX free release of Jaws already programmed in. Yeah, so I think I think the issue being here is that maybe Disney felt like they needed to pull, uh, which is still a poor decision in my part, but pull back on the marketing a little bit because then that's why you're going to get more Andor D23 and probably a marketing blitz like no one, none other after that. But you know, it's a shame because a lot of people, Rogue One. I'm going to be honest with you, and for me especially after seeing again on IMAX and just absorbing this film, Rogue One's my, in my top three of all-time Star Wars movies now. It is. It it's, is. It, 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 it's, it's rapidly approaching the number two mark. I'll just say, it's, the, way, the way I go now, especially with the original trilogy viewing, mm-hmm. Rogue One, A New Hope, Empire, Jedi. See, I, I I think for me right now it's still it's still Empire, A New Hope, then Rogue One. But again, there's emo- there's childhood emotions attached to both A New Hope and Empire. No, I agree. So, I agree. The the reason I put Rogue One above A New Hope is when you're watching it, and I said this when Rogue One came out in 2016, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, is that it? It does everything a remake should. And I said remake, not rehash, not what episode 7 was doing or whatever. But, yeah, I know I said it. Uh, fine. But uh, what what Rogue One was doing was everything a remake should be doing without actually being one. Yeah, well, so, I mean, and then Rogue One is not a remake. It's, it's, a, it's an addition to the story. Well, but you see what I mean? It's doing everything it should be doing without actually being one. Yeah. But, again, for me, too, and if I, if I take personal emotion out and just as far as quality of the movie, yeah. I still think I would, I would, Rogue One would be number two. It would, it would go Empire, then Rogue One. Yeah, no, I can agree with that, yeah. But, I mean, Rogue One is that special. I mean, Rogue One is, again, and I, it's the same thing I've been pre- preaching with Andor. It's something different from Star Wars. Now, I will, I will say and admit, for me personally, going outside, way outside of my fandom, it was a lot better watching it now. Not just because it was on the gorgeous Cymax screen and all that, Right. But mm-hmm. it was a lot better watching it now because when it came out in 2016, it was literally the first film I'm watching without my father, you know, around because he had passed away like you know months earlier, like that July. Yeah. So, it it the circumstances of watching it, as much as I am baffled by Disney's lack of marketing for it the circumstances of watching it were a thousand times better than what they were 
So I'm going to say something that's probably going to get me in trouble. Oh, on here? I doubt that. Go ahead. Um, we were watching Rogue One and IMAX. Yeah. And walking out of the theater. Yeah. Looking at what I just watched. And I go, how can you make this? And how can this movie make the sequel trilogy look like a complete and utter disaster area? Because this movie is so phenomenal. And it just increases my frustration of knowing you can make this, but you have that incoherent disaster area that you allow the sequel trilogies to turn into. Well, you know, I'm not going to go as far as to say that. But what I will go as far as to say, and again, the this I've been over this countless times, and I've talked to you about it, both on and off mic, you know, during shows. But I'll just say, the evidence is in the art books. A lot of those beats came from George, for the most part. And I'll just be the, as stubbornly optimistic and sometimes blinder full-hearted as I am. Not so much blinders as a certain Aussie with Dune, but whatever. But as blinders as I am. I'll just admit, George, that's the best you came up with? Well, and, you know, David, I know I know the art books indicate a lot of things with George, but at the end of the day, it was in Disney's hands. Yeah, no, I I understand that. And all I'm all I'm saying is, is when you see what they made with Rogue One, and you see the story that they told there. Well, well, now I'll stop you right there. They didn't. They may own it. They don't make it. That's not what any of this is about. No, well, no, yeah, I, I'm just I'm using words right now. No, no, I understand, but the the fundamental difference is Disney may own it, but it's the bank account with having more money than George could even pull off out of his own pocket. Right, but I'm just literally focusing on the stuff that has been made from Disney's take. By far, Rogue One is the best thing under the Disney umbrella of Star Wars. Right, yeah. And that's what I'm saying. I'll just... Look, I'll just counter what you said within, you know what, I'd rather watch, um, I'd rather watch the sequels over, say, Book of Boba Fett. Oh, yeah, I, I, I'm, I'm. There, I know, and I love Fett, and the only credit I give the Book of Boba Fett, well, two credits, actually, one, Ming Na was in it, and two, Jennifer Beals made a sexy as hell Twi'lek, and Dave, I will never forgive you for blowing her up like that. <laughs> but 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 the, the, the why, point Dave, I'm making. Why why did you yeah. have to redshirt her like that, man? Why? Yeah. But I th- I think I Sorry, think the, I'm, I'm, the big I'm still a little, the big the point I'm, I'm trying still to make a here. Emotional. Dave, yeah, the point I'm trying to make here is it's a storytelling point. Rogue One is such an excellent story. And I look at the sequel trilogy, and whether you like it or you don't, I think most people at this point can agree it does feel a little bit all over the map at times. 
Well, I, I, I know, and, and look, I credit, uh, and I, and I credit him, and I have full respect for him, you know, about as much full respect I have um, for him as I do you, but your boy, uh, Kevin uh, Reitzel, certainly has made that clear. Yeah, I, I mean, I, 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 I just feel like, and I, I, I truly, I, I truly do believe this, and I, I'm not going to attack any particular creator because I really think right, no, the situation, and, and the situation evolved down to this. And let's be quite clear: we don't attack creators because neither you nor I nor Kevin or Matt are complete morons. But what the situation for me boils down to this is that the left hand through the sequel trilogy, the left hand was not talking to the right hand. And they were both running. They were both riding their own pins, and then they were trying to force square pegs into round holes. There's there's some optical uh, 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 theories to that, sure. And that's how, uh, for for me personally, that's how the sequel. No, 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 and no, 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 and and let's not divulge this podcast into uh, you know squabbling about the sequels because well, we're not. Oh no, I'm not. We're not to... doing that. We're. Here's yeah, the well, talk and sure. more. Right. But, and, but circling it back to Rogue One. Right. Because we know there were also issues with Rogue One. Obviously, Gareth Edwards was the director, but Tony was brought in to do a lot of stuff after Gareth was done. Uh-huh. But they still were able to, it never felt like you were out of cohesion, like you were at one point switching between movies. And see, I, see, I tend to disagree with that a little bit. Because I feel like the the one thing that you know creates that that sort of pivot mark is um, is Vader's treatment. I think that middle stuff. If you had asked that, then uh, the movie would have been perfect. But that hey, I... that middle no 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 that middle conversation with Vader. Where you basically end his scene with a Arnold pun, that didn't need to be there at all. No, they could they could have reworked that re, re, reworked the dialogue there a little bit, or just cut the whole thing. Yeah, I, because, I, think, I think because Darth Vader being the world's best hall monitor is all you fucking needed for that movie. Yeah, but I, I will say for that particular scene. Too, I think it benefits Krennic in the aspect of we see just how power hungry he is. Well, yeah, I mean, sure, and in that case, you probably could have uh, reworked that scene, but also had it be uh, Tarkin and Krennic. But neither here nor there. But what what I'm saying though is that even though you have the changes there, Rogue One still feels like it's it's all it still flows. Yeah, there's not like a drastic jarring change moment. Um, I, I'm sorry, the drastic jarring change is Tony Gilroy. I mean, does he fit perfectly with this time period? Yes. Do I necessarily want to see him any any more after this? No. There's one Gilroy I want to see back, and it ain't Tony. It's Henry. Well, we will see. Well, but we're gonna see Tony. We're gonna see Tony with Andor. So yeah, but but after this, I want to see if I see another Gilroy, it better be Henry Gilroy. I don't want to see Tony Gilroy anymore after Andor finishes. 
Well, I, I, I'm, I'm sure I, I will bet, knowing Tony Gilroy, he will probably move on to other things. He's not one to stay in the one thing for very Thank long. Thank God. Because, you know what, I knew... I knew I'd have to deal with this point where any creatives could come in, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, but there are some where I just don't want to see them ever again after they're done. Tony Gilroy's one. Um, I'm sorry if if the show doesn't if the show if I keep struggling to like the show, John Favreau's going to be the second one. I mean, I'm sorry, it just is. You know, because it's been a real struggle for me to like The Mandalorian. Because The well, the I... Mandalorian I wanted was that that first bar exchange. When he's getting that bounty and kicking everybody's ass in the bar. I'm sorry. When, when you turn the show into The Adventures of Beskar Babysitting... That's not what I want from a Mandalorian show. Well, so it, we'll, 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 so it's been a real struggle for me to find anything to like about the Mandalorian. That's why I'm holding out for Ahsoka. Not only is she my favorite, not only in Mando season two did I freak out more with Ahsoka than I did sort of your BFX Luke. Yeah, sorry, Internet. I, I freaked out more with the Soga than Luke, all right? Um, yeah, I know, deal with it. But not only did I do that, but I think this Mandoverse or Mando Wing of the Star Wars timeline right now needs Ahsoka. It needs, you know, Ahsoka in it. It needs the whole, you know, uh, Thrawn and Finding Ezra and... That's why I'm glad, you know, any Rebel sequel isn't just, you know, relegated to some animated corner. Ladies and gentlemen, this edition of Send in Soapbox has been brought to you by Gain, your 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 intergalactic cleaner for all all things Star Wars. <laughs> do you understand my point at all? No, I, I do understand your I do understand your point and I and I get where you're coming from because you're not enjoying what you're watching. I'm struggling with it. But again, this is this is this is the aspect of anything in entertainment. No, it, it's I'm not enjo- going to end I'm up being enjoying Kyle because if I wasn't enjoying, we I wouldn't be podcasting. Right, but what I'm saying though is that it's still not what 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 has been presented to you so far has not been your cup of tea. No, it's just not, not what it's you were just hoping not been for. hitting, you know, the way I wanted to. Yeah. And and you know, like I said, unfortunately, you know, we are, we are in a world where, you know, we have so many different directions and so many different things. And yes, I can get it, but hopefully, you know, in this case, Andor will hit in a way you want it to hit. I certainly hope so. And I, I mean, I feel confident with the creative forces behind that Andor because I do think Tony did a phenomenal job with what he did with Rogue One and with with Gareth's contributions to. To Rogue One, which, which and, might as well have just been the equivalent of being there. Well, no, he. I think I think Gareth Gareth's work on Rogue One was a lot of the initial setup, and that things we saw early where I think Tony really kind of added a little bit more of the action element and how and the picking up of pace as Rogue One went along. Right, right. Because that had 
Had Tony had his way from the get, he probably would have just cut K2SO from the whole damn no, movie. I don't, I don't think he would have done that, but it, it, no, it's again... I it, think it, he would, because if you go back to the D23 when it was announced, both Diego Luna and Alan Tudyk came out on that stage. Both of them. Yeah. All right? Uh, which implied both of them were going to be in the first season. And well, K2 is nowhere to be found. I think Tony came because, in, because... ripped K2 right out of the first season, and chucked him in the trash. Well, no, I don't think I don't I don't because I think K2 is going to be a very big part of the second season. But they've they've gone because they've already filmed stuff with K2, but they've gone on to say that you know where they're at in the storyline because it's it's Andor show. It's not K2 show. It's Andor show. Right, show right, and yeah. I, I wouldn't even be surprised. I still think we see K two maybe in the season finale or something, something like that. But I, I think that's the point is that they they want to build Cassian up, and you kind of sometimes need to build Batman up before you introduce Robin. Uh, did you really equate a sarcastic droid who, by the way, replaces C three PO for me because? I'm sorry, I've met Anthony Daniels and I'm never going to meet Anthony Daniels again because it was not a good experience. So I'm like, yeah, I forget that guy. But did you just equate K2SO to Robin? In a way, yes. He he is the Robin to Cassie and Andor's Batman. <laughs> God. Oh, man, I can't get that out of my head now. Well, at least he's not wearing uh, a unitard Stop. and green shorts. Stop. Jeez. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Ah. <laughs> it, it, it's fun. It's fun when I break him sometimes, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, no, it's not. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's not. Although he has been doing it quite well. <laughs> but, no, I mean, it's just... It's the aspect of... With, with Andor and with Rogue One is, again, I... I, I I'm... I, I feel like I'm going in and seeing new Star Wars. Yeah. And when I say that is I'm not revisiting, even though we we, we know what Cassian's fate is. Right. He's I think He's it's a very intriguing. Yeah. But it's a very intriguing story of how he became the person he was going into Rogue One. Oh, yeah. It's, it's essentially the Clone Wars effect of reverse engineering. Yeah. And I, th I think, I think, Getting stories from that time frame, it's one of the true last un, deeply unmined areas of this timeline of Star Wars. Well, it's 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 an area where you know uh, George had really no interest in because what I find funny is for a franchise called Star Wars. For 45 years, there have been very little war in it. It might as well be, yeah. it might as well have been called Star Peace. Which, by the way, is the story of Star Wars and Star Trek getting along like brothers. <laughs> yeah, I don't think that's going to happen anytime soon. But 
you know, I just I just really think Andor's going to have people talking. I think Andor I'm gonna be honest with you, I I, I hope Andor is becomes popular and I think a lot of people are very excited about it. But I can see where Andor will end up being very divisive with the fans. Yeah. Very, very much so. I can I can definitely tell. And let's talk about this. Part of that, this is a nice transition into the the last part of our discussion. Part of that, I think, is, well, just the climate of how the world's been. You know, I mean, I take things with stride. I don't exactly, you know, hit the overreact button like most do. Um, Kyle, you're probably one that just takes it the way that, you know, it is what it is anyway. But I think a large part of what may uh, uh, piss a lot of uh, people off particularly certain groups that don't like um, certain issues highlighted a certain way, is, well, it's encapsulated in a shot in the trailer, and you see it with when the dude is talking about their uh, pockets uh, are are fomenting, right? Mm -hmm. Uh, You know the, the one I'm talking about where you basically get uh, that uh, ISB uh, uh, ride gear, right? Mm-hmm. You know the shot I mean? And yeah. I'm, I'm just like, yeah, I, I look at that shot and all I, can, all I can think is, yeah, that ought to go over well with certain groups on Twitter. Yeah, well, you know, Again, I come back to this with this with it with what I think this show is going to be, mm-hmm. and you know what? If, if, if you're if you're looking for Obi Wan, if you're looking for things like Mandalorian, it's not going to be that. It's 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 not. This is going to be a darker show. It's going to be a more adult show, yeah. and it's going to be a very edgy show, and it's not going to be the happiest of shows. Just like Rogue One wasn't exactly. And the happy time, happy time Pee Wee Playhouse movie. Yeah, and it definitely wasn't the um, Adventures of Beskar babysitting happiness. But I think that's a, it's an okay thing because we need that kind of we need this kind of show for Star Wars. Well, because I please, I think I think we elab- need to we please can... elaborate on the need. You keep bringing up need. What do you mean by that? Because because. We've grown up. Star Wars fans have grown up. Mm. And I mean, yes, there's a whole new generation that has their thing. Oh, yeah. But... No, yeah. You know, I, I remember now. That's exactly what I said during the prequel era. The reason a lot of people were upset back then, right? Mm-hmm. And look at the root of it. It had nothing to do with what George was doing. And everything to do... Because what George was doing was what George was doing, right? It was his at the time. Mm-hmm. He had every right to, you know, tinker or do weird, wacky shit fine. Okay? He had every right to do that. But what fans were really upset at the time is really a fundamental truth that they really didn't want to accept. And... Guys, it's been 17 years, but if you didn't figure it out now, I'll tell you right now. 
the real thing you didn't uh, want to accept is the fact that you grew up. Star Wars didn't. And that's and that's the truth of it. You know, we all grew up, Star Wars didn't. Well, and and that's and that's the thing. George George didn't grow up. Well, that that is true too, yeah. And again, so I I I kind of come to this aspect though of Andor is not for all Star Wars fans. Andor is not probably the show you're going no, to try at to the end, or at the somebody end of the day, it's probably not going to be for all Star Wars fans. It's not going to be the show that you're going to maybe use as an introductory show to Star Wars, but I don't think most people would use Rogue One as an introductory movie to Star no, Wars. No, they either. they would probably soften the blow. Okay, I'm just going to say this. If they really want to soften the blow of Rogue One, have them watch the holiday special. Uh, that That's just cruel and unusual punishment now. So is the end of Rogue One. <laughs> no, but, 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 but the, the point is, is that Rogue One is Star Wars with adult sensibility. Yeah, no, it is, it is. And it's that's what makes it different. And that's why Rogue One, there are people who absolutely love it. I don't know anybody who truly hates Rogue One, but I can understand why people say, I've watched it, I don't need to revisit it. Right. And I think that's going to be the way it is with Andor. People are going to watch it. Some people are going to say, this is the best Star Wars I've ever seen. And there's other people going to say, this isn't the Star Wars I love. This is not the Star Wars yeah. I fell in love with. Now, but, you know what one thing I'm kind of hoping for? Mm-hmm. And I talked to you a bit off mic about this. Is uh, what I'm kind of hoping for is, I love that we brought back Genevieve O'Reilly. Oh yeah, I'm very. That's something I'm very. Excited and I about love that we're getting more on Mon Mothma and that whole, and then those whole, you know, the the scheming and and you know what the machinations of what she's doing. But what I really hope they do. And I seriously doubt this. Is find some way. It doesn't necessarily have to be, you know, um, uh, involved Natalie Portman or anything like that. But find some way to weave in uh, use of the the delegation of two thousand. Because one of the things that really pissed me off with Revenge of the Sith was that the fact that George had the nerve, the gall, to cut that subplot. Yeah, I, I just, I don't necessarily know that they'll they'll include it. Yeah, I don't think so either. It's just on my wishful thinking list. And I considering uh, where we're at in the timeline at that point. Well, no... Again, it was on my wishful thinking list, and the reason yeah. I say no is not is one timeline, and two, the um, the comments from Tony Gilroy. Yeah. Right. So. Yeah, that's because I'm like I'm really I'm excited for Andor, but I'm really on edge with anything Tony Gilroy uh, is saying because I'm like. Dude, 
you're making a great product, but you're saying the wrong shit. No, I don't necessarily... Charlie, I'm not going to say he's saying the wrong stuff. He's just being honest about what he's putting out. Well, it's not... I think a lot of that... What I'm trying to say is I think at the end of the day, a lot of that honesty is going to bite him in the ass. Well, we'll we'll see. I mean, I would rather have him be honest and than go in with all these expectations of a bunch of Star Wars Easter eggs and tie-ins and everything like that and then get that kind of disappointment. Yeah, the pr- we've look, had that way too, mu- too many look, times. Look, we've talked about that, and fans do that shit more than anything else. You and I both know that. Yeah, but so so that's where I give him credit, even whether you whether you agree with it or not. Right. He is tempering those fan expectations of this, this, or this that drive so many of us, whether we care to admit it or not, crazy because they're trying to force connections. That yeah, aren't there. I know. I you say trying to temper fan expectations. I'm more on the fence of is he tempering them or is he lighting them on fire? I don't think he's lighting. I don't think he's lighting them on fire. I, I really, I really think he's, he's just, he's just putting it out there. This is what this is going to be. Yeah, true. Either you're gonna like it or you're not. True, true, true. He's. I, I, I think if anything, he's challenging the fans. Oh well, you and I know from uh, personal experience that's not good. I think, but I think, can I be honest? Yeah, go ahead. I think right now the fan, the fans need to be challenged. I agree. I agree. The fans not, definitely need to be challenged. And and when when I'm when I say he's challenging them, I don't think he's challenging them in a disrespectful way. He's just challenging them and saying to the aspect of this: this is the vision we had for this show. And this is not. We're not catering to the fan service. We're not catering right. to this. Right. No, I agree. This and this. what I'm what I mean. The difference is, you know, you know, challenge Star Wars fans. That's what Andor's going to do. That's what more Star Wars should be doing. In that's what more more, more things in fandom should be. Right. Exactly. Well, we're zeroing in on Star Wars now, but overall, all of fandom should be doing this. What are your Star Wars, Star Trek? DC, Marvel, Dragon Ball, what have you, okay? But mm-hmm. we're zeroing in on Star Wars for, for a bit. Uh, but I generally overall agree. Uh, now, what I what I think a thing should not be doing, you know, coddling or hand-holding, which uh, I'll just say it, even though I, I love season two because it actually opened up it opened up the world to be a lot bigger, not quite the the little safe bubble that the first season was. Mandalorian has largely, to me, felt like it was hand holding its audience. Well, I think I, I think if there's one thing with Mandalorian that I do think is kind of a trap that many have been falling into is, I think not so much in season one, but maybe in season two and even in Book of Boba Fett. It did listen to the fans and let the fans maybe influence it a little bit too much. Yes, I you hit exactly on what I was saying or trying to say. All right, and and yeah. and I and that's at the root of it. That's exactly why I've been struggling with the show because I really want the show to stop that. Well, I, I think I think David, the, this is the aspect of two. 
everybody having a voice thanks to social media and Twitter and everything like so you have all these people trying trying to put influence on it and I think you get these studios thing oh we got to please everybody we got to please yeah, everybody I know, and I think I know I think I think but, but what I'm saying though is and I think that's why I'm one of the things I'm looking so much forward to about Andor is that they're making the show he wants to make right and he's not he's not he's not apologetic for it and he's being honest about it up front this is when he says it's real it's real in the aspect of yeah this is I think in his mind too it's like this show isn't going to cater to anybody this is the story we're telling right no i you're either going to like it or and you're in not. that sense i mean i don't have to like tony Gilroy, but i i goddamn respect him for that and i i think that's the difference and i you know that's the way we used to have these movies and tv shows made yeah it wasn't all oh, because such and such on twitter or such and such on facebook is is complaining about this it's or complimenting this it's about we're telling the story we want to tell you can you can tell us you like it or you can tell us you, you know don't what, you like know it with what your pocket books. you know what i will relate it to what's that and it's almost the kahunas i wish uh dc comics would have with their films okay i mean just the statement that you were saying this is what it is right <laughs> it's almost yeah. the kahunas i wish dc would have well and i i think i think it's i think it's interesting to see because i think it's starting to happen a little bit more um and I we we talked a little bit about this be off mic too. Even Marvel is taking more chances in Phase Four, and it's you know what? Not everybody's liking it, but they're still taking those oh, chances. Yeah. Well, I also think uh, Marvel's earned the taking chances with fourteen years of this. But overall, I agree. You know, up until now with Phase Four, they are really branching out away from the the wash, rinse, repeat billion dollars. And I think, and and this is why, David, I am so. We need to get away from Skywalker. We need to give away from Skywalker because I think the fan. There's a big majority of the fans out there, and there's nothing wrong with loving the Skywalker saga. Don't get me wrong, but right. there's they, they can't get themselves outside of it. Yeah, no, I no, I I can agree with that. Even someone as stubborn as me, and you know how hard that is for me to do, Kyle? Come on, we've been doing this for a while. It is really hard. But even someone as stubborn as me can agree with that. Yeah, no, I, I, I really I really think that's where we're at right now, and that's why I'm hoping that, um, you know, as, as we go along, we are going to start getting more of this standing up to and just doing what telling the stories they want to tell. Yeah. You know, before we go, I'm just going to say I'm very interested in uh, Adrian Arjona, especially after her botched performance in that god awful Morbius stench. Do we have to talk about Morbius? I'm trying to forget about it. Uh, well, yeah, yeah. I think after being embarrassed twice, Sony tried to forget about it too. <laughs> Uh, well, Sony needs to forget about a lot of things. That, that is true. Life. Yeah, that that is true. But hey, they're doing right by Ghostbusters. So far, so good. Yeah. Yes. So far, so good. You know, you're you're really sort of, you know, making Ivan's ghost really happy right now. Well, that's and Harold's. And Harold's. 
You know, I mean, considering Harold was gone, what, seven years before they shot that movie, what they did was nothing short of fantastic. Yeah. So. So. All right, well, that'll bring us to the end of this uh, Andor pre-show. Again, uh, you know, toward the end of September, we will have uh, our spinoff podcast covering Andor, uh, Fulcrum, A Case for Rebellion. The following preview has been geek-sealed and podcast-approved for all podcast listening audiences. It is a time of rebellion. It is a time of revolution. It is a time that has been since he was six years old. Satisfied. They're everywhere. They're watching me now. Soon enough, these days will end. There will be no rules going forward. A Case for Rebellion. That's what a reckoning sounds like. A Fandom Awakens Radio spinoff podcast. Coming soon. And yes, yes, I know. Anyone who's listened to the old NPR goes, that's a good name. Wait, does, does this mean I have to grow out mutton chops? No, you don't have to grow out mutton chops. Okay, good, because I, I just I, I don't go good with the big sideburns. I'm sure you don't, my friend. I'm sure you don't. <laughs> <laughs> you don't have to grow out the mutton chops, no. Okay, I feel better. We'll, we'll leave that to, uh, you know, hot callus in that uh, yeah, exactly. rather uh, healthy, unhealthy relationship between callus and Zeb. Yeah, I'm staying away from that with a 10-foot ball. Yeah, I friend. know, I do. I, the the <laughs> fact that Hot Callus was ever a meme, I'm just like, internet, damn you. Damn you. Yeah. <laughs> All right, well, you know, again, and that will be um, toward the end of September. I'm thinking around the weekend of 21st, something like that. Uh, we'll figure it out. So We always yeah, do. Yeah, we always do. So, Kyle, thank you for joining me, as always, my friend. Yeah, of of course. Now, if you'll excuse me, I've got a a rebellion I need to do some operatives for. Um, David, you know, if I have to take you out, i got to take you out. Oh, ah, damn it. What do I do now? 
fine. <laughs> it's fine. All right. Well, and remember, gang, may the force be with you. Everybody, stop. Thanks for listening to Fandom Awakens Radio. Episode 8. Gosh. The first film didn't even have a number. Lucasfilm and all things Star Wars are subsidiaries of the Walt Disney Company. All rights reserved. Ryan has written a story that's unexpected but right. Some of the stuff that happens, people are going to be like, oh my god. Even though I think I know it all, they throw things at me story-wise I never could have imagined. And even though everybody knows that it's the second in a trilogy, it feels like its own thing. Go. Star Wars is so cool because there's all these creatures and all these amazing visual effects. All the characters are also so complex. Ryan needs to work on his walkie sounds. <laughs> Ridiculous. New director. I can't even just learn a walkie sound. It feels like the storylines are becoming more established. We're really getting to know these new characters. Also with the characters that we know and love. We're seeing their lives change. Everything is being shifted in an opposite way to what the audience expected after seven. Ryan's made Star Wars fresh and new. Fandom Awakens Radio is meant for informational purposes only. I'm hoping it'll be a little shocking, but I'm hoping it'll feel real and honest. our most ancient story of good against evil told in the most fascinating way but it has a real spiritual depth to it it's about family and that's what's so powerful about it Together strong.